We're going to be in John chapter 8 tonight. John chapter number 8. I guess I should find my place as well. And uh, we'll start reading here in just a moment in verse number 1. John 8 and verse number 1. Let's see what the Scripture has to tell us tonight on the subject of forgiveness. The subject of forgiveness. Which, by the way, I think... Well, let me just read, then I'll, I'll let you sit down, then we'll get into it. The Bible says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, He came again into the temple... And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. That just means that someone that is guilty of this act, such an one, someone like her, should be stoned. And then they ask a question. They said, but what sayest thou? In other words... We know what the Bible says in the Old Testament. What do you think about that, Jesus? Verse 6 tells us, This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She saith, or she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for your goodness. And I pray tonight that you would bless your word. And Lord, we just need you tonight. I pray you'd help me to remember what I've studied. I pray you bring it to my mind. I pray you bring the verses to my mind. I pray you'd help me to say everything I should and nothing that I shouldn't. And I pray that you would use me for your glory, anoint me to preach, and anoint everyone here 
to be able to, to, to hear what God has to say to them. And Lord, together, we'll, we'll say amen and thank you for what you do tonight in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Okay, thank you for standing. You can, you can be seated and I will do my best to have us out, maybe even a little bit early tonight so you can go to Dairy Queen if you want to, amen, or wherever you might have a hankering to go. Uh, I was out of town this, this past weekend. I was uh, in the Midwest, and they had a Culver's there. Anybody ever been to a Culver's where they have custard? And, man, I passed by that thing on Friday and saw it. And I passed by it on Saturday and saw it. And I passed by it on Sunday and ate it. Amen. Uh, I, I just couldn't. The temptation grew and grew and grew. And on Sunday after lunch, uh, we enjoyed the frozen custard. And so uh, I hope you enjoy something good tonight. I don't know of a topic. Uh, I don't know of anything in uh, the life, not of a Christian, in the life of any person, lost or saved, that has the ability that forgiveness and or the lack of forgiveness has in, in average life. If you think for a minute about, about anger, about bitterness, about all these other uh, sins that, that creep into our life, it's not hard to understand that many of them enter into our life as a direct result of an unwillingness to face the difficult situations socially in our life and forgive. If I fail to forgive... For long enough, whatever that is, will turn into bitterness. It's going to turn into hatred. It's going to turn into backbiting. It will turn into gossip. It'll turn into uh, missing my Bible time in the, in, every, on a daily basis. It'll turn into not wanting to pray. It'll turn into not wanting to be around other spirit-filled Christians. In other words, unforgiveness eats at us like a, like a cancer eats on the inside. And, and so I want to tackle this tonight. And there's a lot of places we can go in the Bible to teach and preach about this subject of forgiveness, but this is the, the place and the angle I wanted to bring it about to you tonight. Forgiveness is, simply put, it's the, the act of forgiving. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it is the pardon of an offender by which he is uh, considered and treated as not guilty. That's what it means to forgive. 
It means to pardon an offender to where he's treated and considered as not or no longer guilty. It is the pardon or the remission of an offense or crime. The forgiveness of sin or injury. To forgive is basically to drop the charges. To not forgive is to charge. So if I forgive someone, I drop the charges against them. If I do not forgive someone, I hold the charges against them. You know, there's, there's at least two fundamental dynamics when it comes to forgiveness. And that, of course, is receiving forgiveness when we have committed an offense. And then on the other side of that is offering or granting forgiveness when someone else has caused the offense. Now, I found it interesting that Jesus said it is impossible, but that offenses will come. So Jesus in the scriptures, he told us, you're going to have to uh, deal with the subject of forgiveness. It's impossible, he said, but that offenses will come. What that means is it's going to happen. So if you've never been in a, in a situation to where you were hurt so deeply by someone that you just really had a difficult time mustering up the strength to forgive, if you've never had that happen to you, you will have that happen to you. In other words we all will be put in that place. And the reason is because life consists of other people. Unless you plan on becoming a hermit. I saw on, on social media I guess, yesterday or today uh, this, I don't even know what, some clickbait page, I guess. I don't know what it was, but but it had a picture of this Beautiful island that was about a couple of acres and right in it, lush green grass. And right in the middle of the island, the only thing on the island was one beautiful house. And everybody was commenting on there, oh, what a perfect place to live. We wouldn't have to put up with anything or anybody. So unless you're going to live in that house, we have to understand some things about forgiveness. And by the way, even if we did live in that house, you, somebody at the grocery store once a year, when you took your boat or airplane into town, somebody would do something that, that, that they needed forgiveness for. So let's look at some observations tonight about forgiveness. Every Christian can better understand forgiveness by looking at these observations I'm going to give you. Number one, I want you to, to, to see out of this story 
that forgiveness is unpopular. Go ahead and and, and just write that down and underline it and circle it and, and put a rectangular around it and some stars and asterisks and highlight it too. Because it's just how it is for most people. Forgiveness is not something that uh, that most people are eager to do. It's not something that most people think is the, the, the best course of action to do. It's typically, in my experience, uh, found to be the last thing that most people want to do when somebody has wronged them. It's not popular. There's a lot of things that are popular. Uh, there's tons of celebrities that are popular and, 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 and they have 10 gazillion followers on whatever. TikTok is, follow, uh, is popular. Instagram is popular. Uh, uh, I, I saw today the top most uh, gross, the top grossing movie of this year is Top Gun Maverick. And that's what everybody was talking about. It was so popular. And uh, you know, there's popular sports figures. There's every year, there's, there's this list of the most popular uh, uh, baby names. I visited a website called Baby Bump dot com or something and tried to figure that out. I couldn't even pronounce the ones they said was the most popular, but evidently they're popular. So there's always things that reign in popularity. But you know what? I I think it's sometimes it's sad that one of the most fundamental responsibilities uh, when it comes to interacting with, with mankind, which is forgiveness, always ranks so low in popularity. Let me uh, break this down to you underneath this point. Uh, forgiveness was unpopular uh, to the prodigal son's brother. Remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? Uh, this, this guy, uh, he really used the system. He really took advantage of his father. You know, the real sad thing about that story is, he went to his father and he requested his inheritance early. Basically, what he was telling his daddy was, I love your stuff that you can give me more than I love you. I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of being in your presence and in your company. I'd rather have what you can give to me rather than to have you. Boy, that's a slap in the face to any parent, isn't it? And he went out and he, the Bible says he, 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 he wasted his substance with what the scripture calls riotous living. So he really got into some bad, bad, bad stuff. And then you know the story. The Bible says in the hog pen, he came to himself. What that means is he got awful, awful hungry. And he realized, hey, wait a minute. 
what am I doing with my life? Back in the father's house, they got even the servants have, have bread enough to eat and to spare. And here I am about to starve to death that I'm eating with the swine. So he came to himself. He went back to the father. And, and you know that the father put the best robe on him. He put shoes on his feet. He put a ring on his finger. He forgave him, welcomed him home. He even killed the fatted calf and, uh, and threw a big party. But somebody in the family was not happy. And it was the older son. You see, forgiveness was unpopular to the older son, the brother of the prodigal son, because of jealousy. Because of jealousy. He, he, he envied the, 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 the party. He was jealous of the attention. And really, pride was at the root of that because he thought he deserved the attention too. You know, I thought it really cool. When I was studying that today, you know, uh, I, I had a lot of cool stuff. That, and hopefully God will just allow me to put all that together in outline form and share it with you someday. But one thing I thought was cool is that the father was willing to forgive. But the elder son or the oldest son was unwilling to forgive. And here's the nugget I thought about that. We must remember that every time we are unwilling to forgive, we have a heavenly Father who is willing to forgive. So how in the world could that son who's supposed to obey that father bow up and, 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 un, and not forgive... When the Father set the example. Well, we got to ask ourselves that too, don't we? There's probably somebody in this large auditorium tonight. And your Father has been speaking to you about forgiving someone. And you're yet to do so. The Father was willing... But the older son wasn't. So forgiveness was unpopular to him because of jealousy. Then forgiveness was also unpopular to Peter. And that was because of justice. Remember in Matthew 18, uh, the Bible says, Then came Peter to him, that is to Jesus, and he said, Lord, how oft, that just means how often, Shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Like, I, I really think that Peter was being, try, he was thinking in his head, he was being generous with seven times. Like, seven times is, is plenty enough, right, Lord? And then you know this scripture, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, uh, till seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now understand this. That's not a mathematical equation so that you and I can keep record and then finally come to the end and say, ha, ha, never again, honey. That's not what that means. 
Jesus is saying, Peter, hey, you think seven times. How about 70 times seven? In other words, Jesus is saying that there's, there is no amount of time. You see, Peter was hung up on justice. He, he just couldn't get it through his head. How that justice could actually take place if he continued to release the guilty. And we'll say more about that in in, in a moment. But let me say this about that now. Peter wanted somebody to have to pay a price if if they offended too much, right? Obviously. That price, hear me good here, that price was paid once and for all. When our Lord and Savior went to the cross. You and I, especially those of us on this side of the cross. The price has already been paid. When we exercise forgiveness, we are truly engaging the cross on their behalf. It's not that they're just going free and the the offense is not paid for. Trust me, Jesus paid it all. So we have, it was unpopular because of jealousy. It was unpopular to Peter because of justice. But here in this story, forgiveness was unpopular with the scribes and Pharisees because of Jesus. It was because of Jesus Himself. You see, the scribes and Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. They literally were laying a trap so that they would have their desired motive for arresting Him. If Jesus said to stone this woman, then He would be openly denying what he had openly preached. If you remember, Jesus came on the scene when he started his earthly ministry. And at one point, he he proclaimed that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He also said that the Son of Man uh, uh, is not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. So if he comes to this situation with this poor woman and these accusers and says, yes, stoner, then they would say, you're a liar and a hypocrite because of what you said. And so they tried to lay their trap. And we'll pick that up in point number two. Let me ask you this question. What, what place in your life, in my life, does forgiveness have? Is it low on the popularity scale for you? One time, we were all down in, or up in Huntsville, 
and we were, uh, we were visiting some people that lived in homeless camps. And we were underneath one of the overpasses, um, a, a, just a big, long overpass, and, and I noticed a shack way down a few hundred yards, and I walked over there, and there was a homemade shack. I mean, it was like the size of a storage building, like eight by ten or something. But it had some tarps on it, and it was just homemade. It was really, uh, it was a contraption. But I also noticed that there was a direct TV dish on top of it. And over to the side, there was a wire that ran to a solar panel. So I'm like, this is a high-tech redneck living in this shack. I knocked on the door. My door-to-door visitation usually don't have real doors, but this one did. And a man named Jim opened this door, and I talked to him for a long time. But the, 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 the story was, Jim was homeless, and he'd been homeless for over a year. Someone in the political realm there in Huntsville, in the local politics, had done something to sure enough set him off. And so he protested by not paying taxes anymore and leaving his home and building this shack and living past the no trespassing sign on the state property. And, and, and he told me, this whole thing of me being out here homeless is a protest. He actually even had a lawsuit against several of the politicians. And he told me he'd been out there for over a year. And he told me several times during that visit, I'll show them. I thought, boy, you really? Yeah, you showing them. He was not, I mean, he was a a pretty bright guy except for that. I mean, he showed me his satellite dish. He showed me all this and all that and all the other. But you could literally see the hatred in this man's eyes. You could like feel it. And the more we talked or the more he talked about whoever this politician was, the redder his face got. I said, what the heck? Let me just give him an idea. I said, you ever thought about forgiving him? You'd have thought. (laughs) I don't know what you'd have thought. But I mean, this dude looked back at me, and it was like the devil himself looking at me. I mean, he just started in on a rampage. And there he went. A thousand reasons why they were wrong and he was right. And, that, and there he went. And I finally left that day and I thought, wow, forgiveness is unpopular with this dude for sure. But But in my study today, the Bible says about that 
the prodigal son, the older brother of the prodigal son. The Bible says when he heard the music from that party that the father was throwing, uh, and he heard, he heard all the dancing and all that, the Bible says he, he got angry and he would not go in. In other words, he wouldn't have any part of the party. You know, I thought today in my study when I was reflecting on Jim, them politicians don't even know that man's name. But there he is, missing out on the party. You ever thought about that? Unforgiveness causes us to miss out on the party. Or to miss out on life. To miss out on whatever God has for us next. Number two. uh, uh, Observation number two. Not only is forgiveness unpopular, but also forgiveness is undeserved. Forgiveness is undeserved. And uh, I I get that from verses 7 through 9. You see, these scribes and Pharisees, they thought their trap was perfectly laid. They thought they had him. They would use the law to trap him once and for all. Either way, if he said, let her go, then he'd be condoning sin. If he said, stoner, he'd be denying what he had preached. So what did Jesus do? What he always does, he outwitted them. He just ignored them at first. And there's this big debate among theologians about what Jesus wrote when he stooped down and wrote on the ground. I don't think he wrote a blessed thing. I think he was doodling. I think he was actually ignoring them. So to say that this question you have isn't even worth the time of day. Because the scripture says he he stooped down, he wrote on the ground as though... He heard them not. But anyway, Jesus said this. He said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. He obviously was pointing them right back to the very law that they were using, which is Deuteronomy 17, 7, that says the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hands of all the people. And and that's how that law read. If you're the one, then you have to cast the first stone. That's how that law worked. And so Jesus knew something. Number one... He knew all them jokers was just as guilty. Now listen, I don't think he was talking about he that is without sin among you. I don't think he meant he that has no sin because obviously the scripture says for all have sinned, right? So that's not even what he meant. What he's saying is whoever among you scribes, whoever among you Pharisees who's not guilty of the same offense, Go ahead and cast a stone first. In other words, he cut right through the chase. He knew their hearts and he threw them an old-fashioned curve ball. Jesus is saying there in verse 7, you don't deserve to be forgiven either. 
You see, this whole deal about forgiveness, somebody along the way, you've said, I'm not going to forgive because they don't deserve it. To that, I have a theological answer for you. Are you ready? Duh. How's that for theology 101? Of course they don't deserve it. And you don't either. Some people have been saved just long enough to feel like they earned it. So number one here, it's not earned. Forgiveness is not something that we earn. It's not something we purchase. It's not something we go to Amazon and buy or to Walmart and buy. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. And so Jesus was telling these accusers, I know she doesn't deserve to go free. And oh, by the way, you don't either. And it would do all of us good to remember that just like that person we're upset at has offended us, somewhere along life's way, we have offended somebody. And if you're sitting there saying, not me, then you might be as blind as these scribes and Pharisees. And so, forgiveness is undeserved. It's not earned. You ever read the book, the little New Testament book of Philemon? It's a really cool little book in the New Testament. And the basis of that book is there was a a guy named Onesimus, and he was a servant to Philemon. So he was... He was literally Philemon's slave. Onesimus ran away and became unprofitable to Philemon. And that was a bad deal. You don't, as a slave, you didn't run away uh, uh, from the master. But somewhere along the way, he met the Apostle Paul. What a great person for a sinner to meet. Say amen right there. I mean, that would be like, that would be like a, 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 a convict getting stuck later tonight on an elevator with Malcolm Carter. I mean, it'd just be bad news for the convict. No matter what he tried. He's a Fort Pierce redneck. He'd lay that dude out. But what he'd be trying to do is he'd be sharing a story with him. And so Onesimus runs headlong into uh, the Apostle Paul. He gets saved and starts serving underneath the Apostle Paul. Paul is basically discipling this guy. And I think Onesimus fesses up and he's like, man, I, I did a bad thing, Paul. And here's the story. And so the whole book of Philemon is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Philemon saying, hey, I found Onesimus. And by the way, he got saved. He's doing right now. And, and if you would, I need you to forgive him of his debt and just put it on my account. The Apostle Paul, he literally said, he said if he owes you anything, just 
lay it on my charge. It's a perfect picture uh, of salvation. Man, I had, I had transgressed the law uh, uh, five ways from Sunday. I had really uh, ran away from God. But Jesus, oh Jesus, the sweet Savior, He stepped in and He said, Father, old Travis, He's come to me. He, he got saved. He's doing pretty good now. Put it on my account. In other words, there was nothing that Onesimus could do to earn this. But Paul stepped in and he took the wrong on himself. Check this out. Forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. Rather, it is inviting God into the bad situation. If we are unwilling to forgive then what we're literally doing is saying, God, I don't want you in this situation. God, I can handle this. I'm going to hold them guilty until I feel better about myself. The problem is that time never comes because, because that bitterness comes and guilt comes and, and all that hatred boils until it's like, under the overpass, protesting against the government. Unforgiveness never, never decreases in bad. It only increases in bad. So, a lot of people think, I can't let him off the hook. He must pay. Understand this. We do reap what we sow according to the Scripture. And God keeps great records. If God decides they pay, they pay. But the whole deal about forgiveness is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So because you and I are forgiven, we don't have to spend eternity in hell. Should we? Yes. Shake your head. Yes. Are we? No. Praise God. No. Jesus took it on his account. So forgiveness is undeserved. It's not easy. And number two underneath that, uh, or it's not earned. And number two, it's not easy. It's not easy. So, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying tonight. I'm not saying that, hey, no problem. The, the offense wasn't a big deal. Because pain hurts, right? So I'm not saying that if someone did something awful to you, I'm not saying it wasn't real. I'm not saying the pain was not real. I'm not saying the offense was not real. I'm not saying the person is not dead to rights guilty. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is Jesus has made a way for us to deal with that that, that, that relieves us 
from the ongoing prison of holding someone captive because of their guilt. And that way is forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy, but praise God, forgiveness is expected and it is possible. I personally have never seen forgiveness in its entirety from before the transgression, during the transgression, and multiple years after the transgression, like I have seen it in the life of my mom and my dad. My mom is watching right now. And uh, we're celebrating her 80th birthday soon. Dole and Belisa, her 80th birthday. And um, they know my mom good. Preacher and Miss Tammy know my mama. They also know my daddy. My daddy went to the Lord, uh, be with the Lord uh, a couple of, uh, a year and a half ago during COVID. And uh, you know what? Like a lot of families, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 13 years old. And man, it was it 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 was just awful for you know for me and my sister in some ways. In other ways, it was a relief. If you've ever got out of a household where every night was strife, then you know it can actually be a relief. But uh, 99% of that divorce was there's no other way to say it. It was my dad's fault. He. Uh, all kind of sins. He was guilty. And my mom, uh, that happened when I was 13. When I was 18, my mom got saved, and then I got saved. And my mom began to be challenged in her heart to forgive my dad. And my dad had cheated on her. He came home drunk most nights. He was a working alcoholic. All kinds of bad stuff. And the, the strangest things, or the strangest thing, uh, somebody said about my family that we put the fun in dysfunctional. My stepdad was really the instigator of making sure that my mom forgave my dad. Isn't that crazy? And you can go right over there in that corner and talk to those three people over there and, 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 and they can verify this. And so long story short, my mom finally came to the conclusion that she ain't going to let my knucklehead daddy stand in the way of her relationship with God. So she went to my daddy and said, Harvey, I want you to know something. I forgive you. And he didn't know what to think. She said he is like a, a, a calf staring at a new gate. And anyway, that was years ago. Years ago. Well, the whole story is cool, but I'll spare you that. But I will tell you this. My dad and my stepdad became the best of buddies. My dad... Came over to, for Thanksgiving meal, Easter meals, Christmas meals. This is all after this. Uh, and, and then my dad died in, in, uh, a year or two ago. 
and he was in, in uh, or before he died, my stepdad died first in Florida. My dad, who was in poor health and didn't need to drive across the county for a cup of coffee, he said, I won't miss this funeral for the world. That man, talking about my stepdad, that man loved me. He was my friend. So he drove from Upton, Kentucky to Fort Pierce, Florida just to attend my stepdad's funeral. And one of the sweetest memories I'll, I'll have with me for the rest of my life is after the funeral, back at my mom's house, watching my dad and my mom, both in their elder years, just a little while before my dad died, watching them sit on the couch in my mama's house in White City, Florida, and just sitting there and openly talking about all that stuff. My dad started the conversation. He sat down and I was eavesdropping. <laughs> Sorry, mama. <laughs> and I heard my dad say, Susie, you know, every bad thing in, my, in our marriage was my fault. It was all my fault. And I heard my mom say back, Oh, Harvey. There was plenty of it my fault too. And for an hour, that's what they did. The whole deal was healed. Years ago. But it was like that time was a culmination of that. So let me ask you this. I know they don't deserve it. I know you think they don't deserve it. I know this, that, and the other. Do you want healing or do you want prolonged misery? It's a legitimate choice that we have to make. Do we want to obey God and trust that His ways are best or do we want to disobey God and see what the fruit of disobedience in this area brings into our life tomorrow? Uh, the, the choice should be clear. Even though it's not deserved, our job as Christians is to grant forgiveness on Jesus for Jesus' sake. Let me give you the last uh, observation. Forgiveness is uh, unpopular, it's undeserved, and the last one uh, is that forgiveness is unparalleled. It's unparalleled. In other words, there's, there's nothing else in our life that can do for us what forgiveness can do for us. It's unparalleled, number one, in its significance. Forgiveness is significant because it shows us the deity of Christ. It shows us the deity of Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, that's the story of the man that was sick of the palsy. And the Bible says that, uh, you know, those, those four men grabbed this guy's bed and, and they brought him to Jesus. And it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So Jesus forgave his sins right there on the spot. But, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. They said, why does this man uh, thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And so Jesus, after that, he not only forgave the guy's sins, but he healed him physically. In other words, Jesus was showing them 
I am uh, uh, the Son of God, and I am God Himself, and I can forgive sins. It's not blasphemy because I and the Father are one. So, so the significant thing about forgiveness is that it shows us the deity of Christ. Listen, if you believe that, that God is who God says He is and Jesus is who Jesus says He is, then you can trust the power that's in forgiveness. Number two, forgiveness is significant because it shows us the priesthood of Christ. And boy, I wish I had more time to go into this. I thought I would have time. But the doctrine of the priesthood of Christ is a wonderful doctrine. You know, a priest on earth is someone that represents man to God. A priest is a mediator. He's a go-between. And Jesus is our, according to Hebrews 7, Jesus is our great high priest. And when we forgive, and when Jesus forgives us, it shows His priesthood. And that's why uh, forgiveness is significant. And forgiveness is also significant because it shows us the compassion of Christ. Listen, Jesus wanted to grant forgiveness to this woman in this story. Just like He wanted to forgive the woman at the well. Just like He wanted to forgive the ones that were so adamantly against Him. Forgiveness is unparalleled in its significance and then it's unparalleled in its strength. Look with me, if you will, at verse 11. And I'm going to wrap it up here. Jesus said in verse 10, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man uh, condemned thee? And by the way, the scripture says that they, all them guys, they went out from the eldest uh, to the youngest and there was none left save the woman and Jesus. It doesn't mean there was nobody else there. It means none of the accusers were there anymore. Remember, Jesus was sitting. He was in the temple. He was sitting. The disciples were around. Other people were obviously around. And then these accusers drag this lady in there. They basically bust up into his meeting and interrupt things. And when they went away, the scripture says there was no one else left. In other words, the interrupters had gone back out. It, it doesn't mean they were there alone. It means that the ones who had barged in were gone. And so, verse 11 tells us, she said, no man, Lord, nobody's condemned me. They're all gone. Well, I bet she felt good about that. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now check this out. This woman was was guilty. The scripture says they caught her in the very act. Now, adultery was very plain and common in that day, as it is in our day. It's very probable that they set the whole thing up. It's very probable that she was caught in the very act with one of those men that was there. Nevertheless, she was guilty. 
like the woman at the well that had five husbands and the one she had at that time was not uh, the husband of uh, her husband. She was very guilty. And so Jesus says this to her. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, you got to think about this. I mean, that'd be kind of like a, 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 a meth addict walking up and us, one of us saying, hey, I don't condemn you. Go and don't smoke meth, meth no more. Well, yeah, right. As soon as they get a little money, what do you think they're going to do? Right? So how could Jesus so absurdly just say, oh, just go, don't, don't live that lifestyle no more. Just go and after our meeting today, don't sin no more. Well, it sounds far-fetched, doesn't it? But listen to me. When he dropped his charges against her, you better believe she felt that change. In other words, only forgiveness can give true power for a changed life. I'm sure there's several people in here that had all kinds of sordid pasts before you found the Lord. Or better yet, the Lord found you. Maybe you were a drunkard. Maybe your family prayed for you for years, but then God saved your soul, and maybe you ain't drinking a drop since. Well, how'd you go from drinking like a fish to, 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 to not even wanting it? Forgiveness. It had the power to change your life. There's somebody in here, or several somebodies, you were, you, you, maybe you were a drug addict. And you thought... The, the day would never come when you could be free of that demon. But then Jesus came on the scene. And Jesus gave you something that you had never experienced before in your life. It was forgiveness. You see, what forgiveness does is it touches the heart of man. It changes the inside of man. Unforgiveness touches the outside. Unforgiveness uh, pokes the bear. Unforgiveness uh, uh, allows a crust to crust over and, and make the heart hard. But forgiveness has a special way of tearing down the vilest of sinners. And forgiveness has a special way of releasing the worst offenders. And forgiveness has a special way of changing our entire mindset about what happened. Forgiveness is unparalleled. Nothing else that we can do will do for us or the offender what forgiveness will do. Amen. Let me leave you with this. I'll just go ahead and answer a question or two because I know you're thinking it. Well, they ain't even asked me to forgive them and they don't even care. They don't give a rip. Show me in this, these scriptures where this woman asked Jesus. It ain't in there. 
she didn't, it, it's not recorded to where, to where uh, they left and she grabbed him by the feet and begged him, oh, forgive me. No. He just did it. Here's the secret. Nobody has to ask for your forgiveness. They don't. Forgiveness is, is a choice to obey a command from God. Should they ask? Absolutely. They should repent. And they should come to the offended party, confess it, ask for forgiveness, and make it right at the altar. That's what they should do. Does that stop the offended one from releasing them from the prison of unforgiveness? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, probably 50% or more of the time, when we forgive someone, it releases who? That's right, it releases us. So even if they don't ask, we still have an obligation to forgive. You know, my daddy, to my knowledge, didn't come to my mama and say, Oh, Susie, I was such a scoundrel. No, that didn't come until years later. Until years after my mother went to him and offered that forgiveness. But i tell you what did happen. My mom became free as a bird. She served God. She served in the church. She went on to work at our mission in Georgia. She was free from the prison of bitterness. And you and I can be free too if we exercise forgiveness in our lives.